hopefully it doesn't act up on me. Yes, we've been having some technical difficulties. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Spooky State of Mind. We're your gals. Remember, because we were talking about that. <laughs> yeah. Does that work? Is <laughs> Anyways, it awkward? I'm Jasmine. <laughs> no, gals. I kind of came up with that. No, it sounds like Portugal. We'll take half the credit. Yeah, it does, huh? Yeah. We'll figure something out. Oh, yeah. I'm Alex. <laughs> I'm Jasmine. I already said welcome back earlier. So. Yeah, here. Uh, yeah, welcome back what to a the mess. struggle bus. Where are your conductors? <laughs> All aboard. Wait, that's a train, not the a tickets bus. Tickets are free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, we're terrible. Really quick, I just wanted to give a quick, not update, on last week's episode on my story because I just got curious on how many owners or how many times my parents' house has sold. And it's only sold twice. So it was the original owners, and then it was sold in the mid-80s, and then my parents bought it in the 90s. In the early 90s, yeah. Yeah, I looked it up too. Somehow I found your address. I was like going one by one on Google Maps, and I was like, there it is. Yeah. I think that's how I found your address one time too, when I was first trying to drive over to your house. That's funny. What a creep. Yeah, so <laughs> we have, I have no idea how old that silk wrapped little package was but yeah that was it for my update good update i appreciate that well how's your week been so far or i guess it's a new week so how was your week it wasn't the greatest gary got sick at the beginning of the week so then he was like recovering we thought it was food poisoning but then i got sick on friday and the day that we're recording this is is on sunday and i still feel absolutely terrible like my body is still aching it was so bad I was so sick I called he was already at work and he was about 45 minutes away and I called him crying and I was like you need to come home I can't take care of her because I'm sick and I'm pregnant taking care of an almost one-year-old I couldn't do it I was in and out of sleep the whole day the entire day, I think I had like one bowl of soup by the end of the night and one piece of toast with butter during the day. Oh, no. Couldn't drink water. It made me so sick. So it was a bad day. And I feel like I'm still recovering. And I think the baby just had a growth spurt because, I mean, I've been looking pregnant, but now I look super pregnant and my skin is so tight and it's itchy, so she's growing so fast, which also explains why I'm so exhausted. Mm-hmm. I was telling Gare, Quinn did not kick my ass this bad. Yeah, that those are secondborns for you. I would know. I'm the second. Well, technically the third, but you know, I'm still the secondborn second too. Here. And I'm just like, damn. Sorry, mom. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, how was your week? My week was good. Um, oh, Friday, I actually went to a concert. So that was really fun. Jazz and I had not had never been to a concert together. So and he said he had never been to one at all. So I was like, whoa. Yeah. So we want to go watch some Wu-Tang. Nice. Yeah, that was cool. And Buster Rhymes was there. So that was definitely a nice. highlight. You already know how he does it. So yeah, it was pretty fun. Nice. I'm glad. I'm glad you had a good week. I'm glad someone had a good week. Oh, I'm sorry. I can live vicariously through you. (laughs) I'll send you some videos of the concert. Perfect. Beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) 
Yeah, the last concert I went to was probably, it was back in March, and it was Dragon Force. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was so much fun. It was, it was a good time. I think it was like one of the first times that Gary and I went out and we weren't parents. And we didn't have yeah. to worry about it. And it was, it was really fun. Yeah. 10 out of That's 10. awesome. Yeah, 10 out of 10 recommend watching Dragon Force. Their concerts are so much fun. They have lasers and confetti cannons and giant arcade games. And it's just that really That does cool. sound fun. I love when I hear parents that they go out like that because I feel like it's really easy to get caught up like my kid, my kid, my kid. And then you worry about, I guess, what society has to say, especially like our parents' generation. Yeah. Where they're like, we never went out when we had you. You need to stay home and be a parent. And now that I'm older, I'm like, no, you should go out, though, even if you have a kid. Like, Yeah, and I'm like, my kid is fast asleep. Yeah, you can't just worry about your kid. You have to also tend to your relationship. Like, yeah. you can't build a family without your partner. You both mm-hmm. need that kid, you know? So, yeah, I, I like to hear it. I love when I hear that parents go out, even if it's damn clubbing. Dancing is fun. Yeah, I'll pass on that one. (laughs) (laughs) I know. You and Gary aren't dancers like that. (laughs) Shit, I could dance all the time. Can I I run for 30 minutes straight on the treadmill? Hell no. But can I dance for 30 minutes on the dance floor with no problem? (laughs) Fuck yeah. (laughs) You know, it's... No, I think it's important to do stuff you enjoy. Like, I think that's what we've been struggling with, like moving over here. And not having like a huge, like a support system or like a huge support system. Because mm-hmm. the nearest people that we know are like 30, 40 minutes away. So it's not bad, but mm-hmm. it's still, it's a drive. Yeah. But I think we've only gone out to dinner once and Quinn was with us. And that's fine. She was asleep. So we, but it wasn't exciting or anything. We just went out to dinner. Couldn't really do much else. Yeah, but it's really... So we're going back to California for Thanksgiving. And we're already planning a date night. Haven't told anyone, but I'm like, you guys are watching the baby juices. I can't do much. It's not like I can drink or anything. I'm pregnant. (laughs) It's okay. You could have your... What is it called? Your... What's that drink? Um, The non-alcoholic ones. A virgin drink? With the O. It starts with an O. Yeah. O'Doul's? There you go, your O'Doul's. No, <laughs> thank you. I'd rather drink the Heineken. The Heineken Zeros, those taste so much better. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. They taste I wouldn't so much know. Better. I could drink whatever I want. Nice. <laughs> no, don't look at me like that. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have rubbed it in. <laughs> it's actually really funny. So when we went out to dinner, I don't know if I told you this. It's we just went to BJ's. Okay, so I quickly looked at their drink menu and I looked at the ABV to see if there was anything non-alcoholic and you know because sometimes they do and sometimes they have like a mocktail section and they didn't so I just went straight to like the lemonades and I was like okay cool and I was like ooh, a lavender lemonade that sounds really good so Gary orders a beer I order a lavender lemonade and all's fine and dandy and brings out the drinks I'm drinking it doesn't really taste that good it doesn't taste like lavender it doesn't taste like lemonade it just it tastes like watered down lemonade and I was like okay whatever it's just won't get it again and then we get our bill and I see that it was 10 motherfucking dollars and I was like hell no are you kidding me and I look at it and I'm like Tito's lavender lemonade (gasps) 
I was like, I didn't even get, I didn't get carded. I, I felt old. <laughs> and two, I was like, I'm noticeably pregnant, but I didn't even. How was your server thinking? I didn't even question it because it didn't taste like alcohol. Yeah. At all. Oh and my I god! And your baby's in the belly, like having a party, having a grand old time. <laughs> and I'm like, Garrett, does this taste like vodka to you? And he tastes it. And he's like, No, not at all. And I'm just like, Oh, no one can see my face. And I'm just over here, like, <laughs> <laughs> I can see your face. <laughs> you can see it. And I'm over here, like, flabbergasted. Like, I drank this thing, and I didn't even enjoy it because it wasn't good. And it didn't taste like alcohol. And I didn't get carded. <laughs> I remember the times where we were glad when we didn't get carded. Now we get offended if we don't get carded. But like, oh, I see the 19 on your ID. I already know you're over 21. The only time we ever get carded is if we're at like a grocery store and like they scan. Yeah, the usually card that's when what you're they checking have to out. do. Yeah. And I'm just like, you could uh, help my ego a little bit, please. I think if. If that was me, I would have been like, can you bring me the menu and read that again? Because I just wouldn't be able to believe that I ordered an alcoholic drink without knowing. No, because then I looked at their drinks. I went to their menu again and I looked on their lemonade section because I just went on the mobile menu and there it was, lavender lemonade. So then I went to their cocktail section. There it was, Tito's lavender lemonade. And I'm like, I did not ask for a Tito's. So they had both. Yeah, so she rang you up for the wrong one. So that's where you make a scene and then you get your meal copped. No, I'm just kidding. No, we didn't do that. I we know. paid because I because I drank it anyways. Like I drank it and I was like, oh, alrighty. Then. Honestly, I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it because yeah. I drank it. But I'm just like that was a huge mistake. Yeah, on their I think part. what I would have done in that situation because I'm the same way. I if I have like a a complaint or anything like that. I don't like to ask for anything from them, but I'll call them and I probably would have told them like, hey, I just I'm bringing bringing it up so that you can pay attention. I'm pregnant and I ordered this and you gave me the alcoholic one. And luckily it didn't taste like well, it didn't taste like alcohol, first of all. But I'm just letting you know so you can be, you know, more careful because if it's anybody else, they're going to really make a big deal about it. Because that's that is a pretty big mistake. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, it's not okay. It's you're supposed to steer clear of alcohol yeah. when you're pregnant. And I figured one drink in nine months, baby's yeah, gonna be definitely. Fine. Baby will be fine. And like, but it's yeah. still not okay. But you're not really the panicky and type. What if someone's sober? There you go. What if someone's sober and it's this is their sobriety? It's yeah, it's see, a I didn't huge even think mistake. of that. And that's very true. So, oh well, you know, hopefully. That doesn't happen again, but I feel you. I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, we said something, but I'm like, what what can you do? Take it away after I already drank it. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just, I'm like, I promise my, there is a baby. Yeah, maybe the server saw you and was like, I can't just assume she's pregnant. (laughs) Because, I mean, it's never happened to me, but I had a coworker who I heard her ringing up a customer when I worked at Five Guys. And she was like, oh, how far along are you? And the lady was like, I'm not pregnant. And she was like, oh, damn. I'm so sorry. And she went to the back. She was red as a tomato and was like, dude, I thought she was pregnant. I was, And that's when I learned 
Don't ever assume. Never assume. You never Thank assume. God, I never made that mistake. Yeah. Yeah, you never assume. <laughs> so maybe that's what the server did. Like, who knows? Many possibilities, but I'm glad you're okay. And I mean, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. The baby was asleep in the stroller, you know, so she was covered in everything. So maybe he just thought we Very just true. had her. And yeah. it was just like my postpartum belly. Because, you know, you still look pregnant after you have a baby. Imagine it happened to you, like, like let's say, like, worst case scenario. You're there by yourself with Quinn. And you drink it. And you leave. Then you get pulled over. And then you get tested. And they're like, you've been drinking. And you're like, no, I haven't. And then they take you away. No, I'm just kidding. That's... <laughs> Oh my god. I'm sorry. That was just like clearly I watched too many movies. <laughs> that would be horrible. That would You'd be, be horrible. like I'm I'd be crying. And all because that server rang up the wrong drink. <laughs> Seriously, that would be I'd like be crying. A movie. I cry for everything now. It's oh my god. We yeah. Oh. I literally cry for everything right now. We were watching um so we just put on Pokemon. You know, we'll just have yeah. got to catch him in all. the background. And it was the first episode, and it's when Ash is protecting Pikachu from, like, all the Spearows. And then Pikachu goes in and does, like, lightning. And I was like, this is so wholesome. Who knew Pokemon was so great? Which, I, I mean, I've to always To be fair, Pokemon. they do have a lot of episodes that make me cry, too. And I'm just over here. I'm just, my eyes are watering, and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> am I just a big old softy, or am I just pregnant? No, it's Pokemon. That'll do it too. Their you. music is so epic. Yeah. All right. Let's but get into anyways. the episode. Yes. Anyways, um, I am looking at our spreadsheet, and it is your turn to go first. This Excuse week. me. Are you sure? Yes, because I did the dead baby last week. What did we talk about last week? <laughs> Potpourri. What the heck did, did I the talk? Chop chop house. I went second. Oh, I sure did. Oh heck. Yeah. So it's your turn first. So what's our topic again? People. Spooky people. people. Spooky people. Oh, girl. My person, this bitch was... Damn. <laughs> I thought I was never going to finish. Oh, my God. Yeah. So this this is the classic. She's got money. She can do whatever the hell she wanted. And she got away with it for a few years. We're going to be... I'm going to be talking about Elizabeth Bathory. Okay. Have you heard of her? No. Probably. You've heard of everybody. I was going to say, maybe I've heard of her and I just don't remember her name. I don't remember anything Look, anymore. Alex My is brain- very smart. She knows a lot of stuff. Like, I could be talking about some fabric and she'll like, I don't know where it'd be like, so that fabric came from here and this is how many stitches you used to sew into it. And I'd be like, what? Well, I don't know if I would say I'm smart or if I'm just like a walking encyclopedia. Both. It's just, I know a lot of random You're stuff. You're still smart. I think you're smart. Thank you. I don't think I'm smart. Not after having a kid. My brain is just like fried now. That's not anything to do with being smart. Anybody's brain would be fried after a kid. Oh, which reminds me, I shared this meme on um, Facebook and I thought it was hilarious. So it shows like the baby Yoda. And I know that's not really his name, but I've never seen the Mandalorian. So to me, he's also baby Yoda. And um, it says how to politely tell someone they are stupid. And below that it says, wisdom has been chasing you, but you have always been faster. (laughs) That would be so awesome to use on somebody. One day. I love that. One day. Anyways, Elizabeth Bathory. So this chick, she was born way back when. 
Um, she was born on August 7, 1560. So, holy smokes. Yeah. So, she was born into a very, one of the most prominent families at the time. Um, her family, they ruled Transylvania. She had an uncle who was um, king of Poland. So, they, you know, very big, like, money, money. Yeah, money, money, very big royal family. Um, oh, she rich, rich. Oh, yeah. She was very wealthy. She had the best education. Um, very good looking, you know, lady. Uh, she was actually considered to be super smart because other, like, nobles who had also had a very good education didn't even meet half of what she knew. Um, I think she spoke like four or five languages. Even in her adult life, she learned about taking care of her estates, which it's a really big deal. Yeah, but yeah, especially back then. Yeah. So her family, they had a lot of money. So as a child, she suffered from epilepsy and she would get a lot of like violent seizures. She didn't have a very good immune system. And historians now believe that the reason to that was because I don't even know how this is relevant, but it's okay because her parents were first cousins. So she had kind of a hard, well, it does tie in. She had a hard childhood because of her health. On top of that, she used to witness a lot of violence. It was very normal for her to see their servants being beaten and mistreated. And she found that super amusing. It said that at one point she saw a man who had been caught stealing. What they would do in those times, um, they sewed him inside the body of a horse. And yeah, they would do things like that to people. They would sew, sometimes they would um, dismember them or they would break their bones and sew them inside large animals that were dead and they would throw them in the water or do whatever the heck with them. She witnessed that. She witnessed this man be sewn into the body of a horse and this happened because he was caught stealing and she laughed. I just, I don't see the correlation. Like the punishment doesn't fit the crime. Not at all. And she laughed about it. She completely found that amusing. Her upbringing was very, you know it, it revolved around violence and psycho. you can see how that yeah it most definitely shaped her into who she became who she came to be as an adult when she was 11 she was betrothed to and i really hope i say these people's names right i looked it up pronunciations and everything i even tried to spell it out in the way that you say it Ferranz nadashti he was a hungarian count so he also came from a powerful family with a lot of money. He was also not new to violence. It's kind of, he was the same way as Elizabeth. He became a soldier as in, you know, when he got older and all of that. So they became engaged when she was 11. He was 15, so he was a few years older than her. And this next part, it's said to be rumors. It's not confirmed that it's true. When you look up Elizabeth Bathory, it, it, this will always pop up. So it said that soon after that, she had an affair with the peasant boy and became pregnant by him. Uh-oh. So, you know, back in those times, that's not a good thing. That's a big no-no. Yeah, especially when she's engaged. I mean, it's still a big no-no. Yeah. So once the baby was born, she gave the baby away to somebody else and they took, you know, the baby. However, Franz 
found out about the affair. This is what adds to the whole he was already a violent person. Allegedly, because this is all, this story is not sure to be true. Allegedly, he had the peasant boy castrated and thrown to a pack of wild dogs. Oh my god. Yeah, so we don't know if that's true. But again, now we have Elizabeth being married or going to get married to a person who thinks violence is normal they ended up getting married you know after a few years their wedding was so big so huge because they had that much money it lasted three days oh my god <laughs> yeah i go out for one night and i have to recover for three days for real <laughs> hundreds of people were there like hundreds of people were there they partied all three days the wedding took place at this castle that ended up be being theirs and it was like a very like goth castle their first few years of being married she was her job was just to learn about her estates that she had and overseeing them he went off to war so they had a i think a couple of different one wars or one war called uh, the long war and while he was out there he actually earned the name the black knight of hungary because he was so brutal to the other side that his enemies were afraid of him and his peers were shocked at how insane this man was yeah it was crazy all that time they obviously didn't spend a lot of time together she was busy doing her thing he was busy doing his own thing so when they would finally have time together and bond their favorite thing to bond over was of their lo love of violence oh no and torturing the young servant girls that were at the castle oh my heart so at first they would just torture their servants and daughters of local peasants and later on which i'll talk about it ended up being daughters of local families who would send them to Elizabeth to learn good manners. Oh so she started God. doing it to, yeah, daughters of families with money just like her. While they bonded about all the violence and all that, Ferrand would teach her different torture methods. So he kind of opened up that door for her. She was already a fan and now here he is teaching her things. A couple of the things, um, he taught her to roll up pieces of paper covered in oil and put them in between the toes of the servants that they were torturing and light them on fire. Oh my god. Yeah. Another thing he got her and gave her, he gifted her a clawed glove so that she would scratch the faces of any servants who were being disobedient. It was pretty bad. So all this time, you know, they're torturing these young girls and Elizabeth believed that drinking the blood of these girls would preserve her youth and keep her looking young for a long time. Some people that witnessed these things said that she would stab the victims, she would bite them, in their, on their faces like she would rip off like chunks of skin from their face she bit their hands their arms their breasts like all sensitive areas others she would stick them with needles like in their lips or she would burn them with hot irons like red hot irons keys or coins anything any kind of metal that would burn and not melt she would use to burn them other girls if it wasn't bad enough other either the same if it wasn't bad enough that she was doing this to them she also starved them or beat them to death oh my god i was gonna say that who is that one wealthy person it was in louisiana in the french quarter um lalaurie madame mm, i know who you're talking about she was inspired for an american horror story character yes oh delphine lalaurie yes marie delphine oh my god it's she is making her seem wonderful 
tame like, and oh yeah <laughs> the atrocities that she did that she committed or oh my god this is horrible oh yeah because servants were so disposable at the time i mean this i'm talking about this lady had 400 plus servants she was stupid rich so her servants were disposable if anybody ever questioned her about the disappearance of any of them she was able to draw attention away um, whether it was family or whoever she was able to draw attention away from that just because of how much power her and her husband had it's really easy to just oh don't even worry about it i just didn't like her anymore i just got a new one despite all of that she wasn't able to stop the rumors that people were talking you know about her local pastors so like the priests and all that they actually became very suspicious of her because she would call them she started calling them more often to come to the castle to perform funeral service services for these young girls and she would just say oh they they died of cholera cholera am i saying because i cholera sorry it's because in spanish it's cholera so you know that's my spanish getting in the way <laughs> it's okay it's like the word coupon or coupon yeah i've heard people say both but i say coupon because in spanish it's coupon coupon i say the same thing yeah so it's coupon okay so cholera yeah that's what she would say oh it's just cholera but one of the priests he was the boldest one of them all because he had a suspicion big suspicion and said the lord doesn't like what you're doing and he wouldn't like it if i kept quiet so i'm here to tell you that i know what you're doing i'm suspicious of you so she was outraged like oh my god i can't believe you would accuse me of that i can't believe you would say that about me do you know the people that i know i'm gonna tell them about you and we're gonna turn you you know we're gonna turn the church away and just threatening him so he was like okay even still people were trying to bring attention to this at that time peasants or civilians were not able to bring charges against noblemen so even if they wanted to even if they had all the evidence in the world they could never charge her because of her ranking that's terrible so she just was like how dare you say that and all of that right so life goes on and this was around 1601 once this is like you know this is happening and the priests are like yo what the hell you're making us come to all these funerals that's suspicious so a few years later in 1604 her husband dies with the death of her husband now she has all of these things that she has to manage on her own her estates his stuff managing everything the death of him they also had a total of five children out of the five i believe two of them passed when they were children when they were actually babies or toddlers and then the other three you know grew up to be healthy it just completely it like changed everything changed she had actually right before her husband died she had met another woman who ended up becoming one of her closest friends everybody in the town said that she was a witch you know in those times oh she's a witch and she wasn't a good influence to elizabeth so you have her husband who's teaching her how to torture and then you have her friend whose name was anna anna Dar darvolia anna was over here in her ear too encouraging her to kill so that's when all of that kind of started happening even more. Match made in heaven. Seriously. So 1604 rolls around, Ferrand dies, and now Elizabeth is 
stressed out with all the duties that she has in her role. Her husband died, the man that she was with for I think it was like 20 something years. And now her friend is in her ear putting all these things or encouraging her to do what she was probably already thinking. She completely changed. Like she changed even more than she had already and she became worse and more sadistic and cruel to everybody around. So like I said, she had as many as 400 servants and killing them meant having to replace them. So she kind of switched gears and started luring all the girls that were in the nearby villages like surrounding her castle. And these girls were coming to her because this lady has money, she needs help. So these girls were coming to her and she started torturing them. So she started doing all these horrible things to these girls coming from the village. And some parents even voluntarily sold their kids to her because she would give them a certain amount of money for them. And if they died, I mean, the parents are like, where's my kid? And she'd be like, oh, they died of cholera. Like, sorry. So she would torture them. And once she was done with them, she would have them flung over the wall of her castle. And the wolves that were out there would just shred them, would just rip them to pieces. So she wouldn't even have funerals for them anymore. Oh, no. Absolutely no remorse, no lack of respect, nothing. So by this time, it's like after her husband died, she ended up having accomplices. So Anna was one of them. Like I said, people thought she was a witch. So she already didn't have a good reputation. And it was, I believe, four or five of them. So it was Anna and then there was somebody named Ilona Joe. She was a nurse who looked after kids. And then a friend of hers, I think a friend of Ilona's, or Elizabeth's or both. Her name was Dorka. She was just as bad as Anna. So Anna was here encouraging her. Imagine how bad she was. So Dorka was just as bad as Anna and they would actually compete with each other on who could torture their victims the most. Oh my god. Yeah. It was always a competition. Then they had a washerwoman, Catalin, so she would wash clothes. And then Fisco was actually a, a male. He was the youngest one of the bunch. So he was a teenager at the time. And he was also involved in doing all of this. So this next part, I'm going to talk a little bit more about torturous crimes that they all committed. So I guess trigger warning. So Elizabeth had an agenda. Each misdemeanor, quote unquote misdemeanor, that the servants would do had a certain punishment. She had torture chambers and that's where these girls would go. But before that, she always made sure that they stripped down and were naked. If, for example, a servant missed a stitch while sewing, she would place long sewing needles all over their body. And she would, uh, and on top of physical punishment, she would mess with their brains and she would tell them exactly this. If it hurts the whore, she can pull it out. So the servants are thinking, yeah. So the servants are thinking, oh, that's permission for me to take them out. And they never find out because all their peers that were working with them are kept in these torture chambers and more than likely killed. So they're not walking into it. They're put in this situation without knowing what's going to happen. So here they are. They start pulling out the needles because it fucking hurts. So Elizabeth would go and cut their fingers off. She would cut off one or two fingers. And that was considered lucky. Like if she let you go back to your room after that, oh girl, you were lucky. And if she wasn't feeling so generous, then she would take you to the torture chamber where the rest of her team would inflict more pain on them. So what they would do once they were, once these girls were in the torture chamber, all these other people, Dorka and fucking Anna and all them, they would use these pincers and rip off the flesh from their bodies. And if it was to the point where like their insides were practically coming out they would rip their insides out and it'd just be blood everywhere (laughs) your face i'm sorry it's not funny 
It's not funny. <laughs> You're just so shocked. I don't understand the point. Yeah. Well, to them, it's a competition. Sometimes they would force these girls into cannibalism. I am legitimately speechless. Yeah, this is not. I still have a few more things that they did. So sometimes they would force them into cannibalism and they would have to eat the other people in there. Some of the girls, some of the things that they did too, they would put them in ice baths. So cold that they would just, they would die. They, they would die being in that damn ice bath because that's how cold it was. Die of hypothermia. Yeah. But I think to me, this is the worst. Well, I don't even know, honestly. They're all bad. I think this one was just, to me, was so unusual that I was like, I would not think of this. One of the servants was covered completely in honey, head to toe, and they left her outside for all the insects to come and eat her. I felt that was, that one's a pretty bad one. That would take so long. Yeah. Or maybe not, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how the bugs were back then, but yeah. So Bathory would, you know, take part in all of this. She used to like to burn their flesh. She would go as far as to even burn their genitals, which suggests sexual motive. They're unsure if she did all of this for her own sexual pleasure, or if it was just the burning the genitals part that brought her sexual pleasure. I guess they believe she might've been like a lesbian, or maybe she dabbled with both sides, you know? So that's one of the reasons too but anyways later on in 1609 so this is years later she's been doing this in 1600 or around that time so almost a decade later um the rumors were just so much that people were like beware but like i said nothing could be done and this elizabeth had had so many of these young women killed she would still bury a lot of them but she was practically out of space. She had no more space to hide these bodies. Her courtyard was like a cemetery. It was full of bodies. And some of these graves were so shallow that if that hungry dogs would come by and they would dig up the graves, that that's how easy they were able to get to these bodies. They could dig them up and the bodies would pop out and these dogs are hungry. What else are they gonna do? It's not like they're gonna walk away. So around that time, 1609, Anna, Elizabeth's closest friend her most trusted confidant dies at that point elizabeth realizes holy shit i'm alone my husband's dead my best friend is dead my kids are adults and they're out of the house i have nobody left so she decides that she wants a new set of victims she's tired of what she's been doing the last almost you know seven years or whatever and she was encouraged by another woman who was Mm, I don't remember what she was to her. A stewardess. She tells her like, or it was said that she encouraged it. I don't know if she brought the idea into her head, but she pretty much told her like, why don't you start going for, high, you know, other rich people's daughters. So Elizabeth decides to open a school and this school is for good manners, to teach good manners to these young women so they can be ready to be ladies and find a husband and do their duties as a wife and all of that. She opened up a school and the nobles sent their daughters to this school and they paid good money for this. Elizabeth, she probably didn't need it, but she was like, I'll take more money. And eventually the body started to pile up again. And parents came knocking. They were calling like, hey, where's my daughter? What's going on? And she would just come up with weird excuses, like unusual things. Like one of the excuses was that one of the girls went crazy and went on a killing spree before committing suicide. So that takes care of like a handful of the girls. Yeah, but not all of the parents believed that. They they had, you know, first of all, I hope they there heard so rumors. Many rumors. 
yeah why would you send your daughter there but whatever the parents that were not convinced of that they went to the roman emperor which was i forgot to look up how to say his name matthias the second it's m-a-t-t-h-i-a-s Matthias? Matthias? That's what I thought, one or the other. Anyways, the Roman Emperor, you know, they explained the situation and he was like, all right. So he entrusted the, the investigation into Elizabeth to George Durzo, Durzo, who happened to be one of Elizabeth's late husband's closest associates. So they were so close that when her husband um, was dying, he actually asked him, can you please look over my wife? So this guy knows who Elizabeth is. But he said, my loyalty to the king is much stronger than my loyalty to my friend. So he took on the investigation and he got right to it. He started off by interviewing servants who had luckily made it out alive from Elizabeth's castle. Despite all the information that they gave, none of them had been actual eyewitnesses to the crime. So all they had really seen was like blood, they had heard screams, and they did notice that the cemetery in her courtyard was getting rather large, but nobody had been in the room to see her torture these people. Well, yeah, if if you know that it's going on and you hear it and you see all the blood, you're not going to get near there. Mm -hmm. You're in survival mode and you're like, nope, I'm going to my room, I'm going to my quarters, (laughs) See see you tomorrow. Yep. So that wasn't enough information. So then he tried reaching out to her family. Her family didn't really have a lot to say either. He got as much info as he got. But she even had some family saying she was innocent. Oh, she would never do that. She's innocent. So he was like, all right, well, I have enough. I just need a little bit more. So he ended up getting himself and the king, which was, you know, Matthias, the emperor, or the Roman. What did I? (laughs) Not the emperor. The emperor's new groove. (laughs) Um, Yeah, seriously. Matthias II, he got him and the king, he got themselves invited to a dinner at her castle. So Elizabeth was a nervous wreck. She was nervous. She was probably sweating like, oh my God, I got people in my house. And despite all of that, she tried really hard to act as gracious as she could towards them. And everything was going fine. Everything was going perfectly fine until they got to their dinner. The king and and Turso took a few bites of their dinner and almost instantly they started to feel sick. So they were like, you know what, we're gonna go. So they ended up leaving. They left early from the dinner and that was that. Turso knows like something's going on. I need to handle this. We need to catch her in the act. But how do we do it? This was already 1610 on New Year's Eve. So right, New Year's Eve 1610. And he was on this case, you know. He decides to sneak to the castle with some armed guards. They actually hid right outside the castle. Before long, here comes Elizabeth with her lady Stuart and they could hear them like chanting something. They were supposed to be doing like a spell that was gonna protect Elizabeth from all of this, from the authorities, from being found out. It was, and they wanted to bring to bring death to Turso. So they were like, all right, we're gonna cast a spell to protect me and we want this dude investigating me to die. They did their thing. They finished up and they went inside. So once they went inside, Turso and his men, he instructed them like, let's creep into the castle. Let's get in there and see what we find. So they did. And where they were standing, they found a mutilated body and it was just there. Just chilling. Yeah. So when they discovered the body, they heard screaming coming from inside. So they ran in there and they followed the voices and it led them to her torture chambers. 
her dream team, they were caught in the act. They were caught torturing somebody. So that kind of ended, you know, ended that. And once they got caught and everything, Elizabeth's like, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. I had no idea this was happening. Like, don't involve me in this. Straight up like that um, Shaggy song. Yeah. Caught him red-handed, wasn't me. Yep, wasn't me. And over 300 people came and spoke out against her, including her torture team. Eventually, they talked too much and they incriminated themselves. Also, they incriminated themselves because they were caught in the middle of it, so duh. (laughs) But they turned against her and they were like, we, she made us do it. We didn't want to or whatever. But no, in the end, three of the four were sentenced to death. So Ilona, Joe, and Dorka, they were tortured beforehand because they were the worst of the bunch. They caused the most torture. So before they were killed, you know, they were uh, killed by the authorities. um, They had their fingers executed. There you go. Thank you. Before they were executed, they had their fingers ripped off by iron tongs. Yeah, they got a little taste of their own. And so um, then they... I really wish that everyone could see my face right now because words don't do my face justice. Yeah. (laughs) And then they were executed and thrown into a bonfire. Fizco, he was the youngest of the bunch. So he was spared of the torture part, but he was beheaded and then burned, thrown in the bonfire. <laughs> it's not funny. I'm laughing at her face. Yeah, she's laughing at my reaction. I swear it's this yeah. isn't funny. This isn't amusing. My face is humorous, though. Yeah. And then Catalin, she was the washerwoman or she was the one that would wash the clothes. She was sentenced to life in prison because she was the softest of the bunch. So oftentimes she would bring food to the victims. Oh, because that makes it better. Yeah. And she actually was beaten by the team because she would do that. She would show kindness to them. So the other three would beat her up for it. I guess it beats death, but she spent the rest of her days imprisoned. And then Elizabeth was also sentenced to life in prison. She didn't have a trial or anything like that. They were just like, this is what's going to happen because they didn't want it to be public. They knew she came from a royal family and her family wanted to be spared of the embarrassment that this woman carried their name and did these horrendous things. Instead, they locked her up in one of her torture chambers. They locked her up in there and she spent the rest of her days there and she actually died fairly young. She died um, four years later in 1614 at the age of 54. Her The four years that she was, or maybe three years because I think this, no, four years because she didn't get a, a trial. The only visitors she was allowed to have were priests and Turso, the guy who put her away. And the priest would come and she they said that she never showed remorse. She didn't show remorse. She didn't repent. She didn't cry. She denied it until the day she died. She said that she didn't do anything. She was innocent. It was, the, the you know, her torture team. She was not a part of that. So she never admitted to it, even though all the evidence was there. So then one day on August 21st, 1614, at the age of 54 like i said elizabeth was complaining to the guards that her hands were cold and they just kind of waved her away like yeah yeah just go lay down and get some rest that's all you need so she went to lay down closed her eyes and never opened them again that she died that day so her body was buried was buried why did i say buried (laughs) buried 
Her body was buried in the church cemetery, but that caused a huge outroar. Everybody was like, how can you do that? I was about to say, I'm like, I don't think she deserved to be buried in the church cemetery. Yeah. So they supposedly she was moved to the Bathory crypt where everybody, you know, her family would get buried later on in 1995. So this is a few hundred years later. They opened it and there was nobody in her place. So they don't know what happened to her body. Silence. <laughs> it's just so a I mean the obvious thing is like, oh, probably grave robbers. Maybe. But like she seems so evil. Yeah. No, she doesn't seem so evil. She was, was evil. Yeah. She was like the devil incarnate. Oh yeah. You know, later on, this is like a hundred years after all this. They started who adding want, who would want her body? Yeah. Seriously. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, just that 100 years later, they incorporated into her story that supposedly she would bathe in the blood of virgins. So when you look her up, you'll find that. But they said that that was never true because none of the witnesses that came forward ever mentioned that she would do that. She actually didn't really care so much about the blood to do that. She would just have the servants clean it. They would just clean like puddles and puddles of blood. So her thing was the torture. Oh yeah, that was was getting her off. Jeez. Well, yeah, as time progresses, stories change. Yeah. You know, it's like in Lord of the Rings, it's history became legend and legend became myth. Hmm. And it's just like, yeah, it just over time everything changes and evolves. Yeah. That's horrible. And actually, they didn't have on record what other things she did so these are just a few things that are known of it's possible that she did worse things she probably had a hundred different things that she did but the ones that i named which was a handful and they were bad enough were pretty much the only ones that they could that they had record of we'll never know what else she was capable of but at this point i think it's safe to assume she was capable of anything she was evil yeah she had money she had power she got away with it for a long time yeah but it's she was evil and she dabbled okay she didn't dabble she was super into torture obviously and i wonder what other like sadistic rituals and if there was anything i mean i don't doubt it that there was something sinister and more evil because it just I was thinking about the time where she was after the dinner where she was chanting and wanted the guy dead. Mm-hmm. So I wonder Some black how much magic. of it was. Yeah. Also, I wonder what she put in that food. Uh-huh. Like, was what it if, people? Was it poison? Yeah. What if it was human remains? Like, ugh. what about you? Okay. So I know that I said that your person was absolutely evil. And I, I still stand by that. And I absolutely believe your person is absolutely horrendous and evil and a monstrosity of a person. And it makes my person seem like an absolute peasant. <laughs> like a saint. Very tame. Very, very tame. Your person was absolutely evil and horrendous. And they were truly the devil incarnate. But my person said that he was born with the devil inside him my person is significantly more tame than yours but when he was captured spoiler alert he was captured i stuck with a classic so i'm sure a lot of people know his story in an interview after he was sentenced he said yes i was born with the devil in me i could not help the fact that i was a murderer no more than the poet can help the inspiration to song 
nor the ambition of an intellectual man to be great. I was born with the evil one standing as my sponsor beside the bed where I was ushered into the world, and he has been with me since. Pretty sure the devil that ushered him in was Elizabeth Bathory. Right? Mine has been called the devil in the white city, and it is H.H. Holmes. I stuck with the classic is I'm fascinated by H.H. Holmes, but now not so much because everything he did seems very rudimentary. It's okay. Let's let's go. Let's do it. Anyways, I'm not going to top yours. Not even close, but Holmes was born in 1861, so definitely after Elizabeth, and he was born in New Hampshire. His parents were devout Methodists, but in my notes I wrote devour Methodists. (laughs) They were not devour Methodists. There was no cannibalism to my knowledge. His parents were devout Methodists, and on his father's side, he came from a farming family, His father continued farming as well as dabbled in a lot of other trades, what we would now call blue collar. Some profilers now claim that Holmes hurt and tortured animals when he was younger to, you know, fit that serial killer profile. Mm -hmm. But there's no evidence to support this. But if anyone knows, knows of any evidence, let me know if there's any concrete evidence on that because... I could be very, very wrong. But honestly, I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if he did hurt animals, considering how disturbed he was. All right. So as he got a little older, he married Clara Lovering in 1878, and they had a son in 1880. And when he was 18, he enlisted in the University of Vermont in Burlington, but dropped out one year later. Then he enrolled at the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery in 1882 and graduated with honors two years later in 84. And this is where a lot of his monstrosities start being documented, not necessarily as monstrosities, but in the sense that he spent a lot of time in the anatomy lab with Professor Herdman and Herdman was the chief anatomy instructor. He was quoted saying, Holmes was fascinated passionate and even infatuated with the inner workings of the human body that's where you can really see his interests like his murderous and disturbed interests were being piqued and he had the means yeah definitely had the means yes you know he graduated with honors and afterwards when he left he was an apprentice in new hampshire under dr nahum white probably saying that wrong please correct me i'm terrible with names. English wasn't my first language. (laughs) I'm terrible with pronunciation. (laughs) So Dr. White was a huge advocate for human dissection. And personally, I think human dissection is crucial in understanding the workings and mechanisms of the human body, especially back in the day when, you know, we didn't have the internet to really spread spread information but it's very important to note that i do believe in consent and it should be given prior to death if you would be okay with having your remains dissected and studied which i'm pretty sure wasn't the case back then because i'm pretty sure you could only study deceased inmates and their death had to fit a certain criteria don't quote me on that i didn't fact check it this time around because i'm pretty sure that that's what it was, but I could be very wrong, which is why grave robbing was so popular. 
yeah. back then. And I was going to say, I know that grave robbery became popular because doctors and scientists were pretty much first on the list to get these bodies. So they would take them all. But you had to have, I think, certain credentials. So then other people and doctors that wanted money. the money. Yeah. Other people that wanted the bodies would go and rob them. So I know that's how that started to happen. Yeah. So yeah, but I think it's definitely important. I mean, medical school, you still have like cadaver labs. Yeah. And super important. Obviously, consent needs to be given. Like if it's for me personally, I mean, I don't care what you do with my body. Afterwards, I'm gone. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. Donate me to science or compost me. I don't want to waste space. Yeah. (laughs) I feel you with that. So anyways, fast forward a bit. So we know that Holmes was notorious for scamming insurance companies if you didn't know now now you you do (laughs) but once he was on trial he confessed that he had used corpses from his younger days to scam the insurance companies so all of his fascination that was documented with corpses and dissection we can see that it was one because he was a murderer a serial killer and two because he was using those bodies to scam the insurance companies just because i know that Back in the day, scamming insurance companies was a great way to make money. Not legal by any means, but it was a great, it was a great payout. I mean, who was that? There was another serial killer. She was, I'm pretty sure she's been noted as one of the first female serial killers. And she would marry men, kill them, and then claim the insurance money off of them. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Totally blanking on her name. So yeah, Holmes did something similar, but he wouldn't marry and then kill and then use those bodies he would use a lot of the corpses from like medical school and stuff like that anyways so okay back to the 80s clara left him and cut off all ties with him in 1884 so their son was only four years old and she left due to violence their housemates had described Holmes as extremely violent towards her and on several occasions their fights turned nearly fatal and i'm so happy that she got out when she did and yes she took the baby with her as far as i know they got a much happier life he grew up and i think he was working as like an accountant or not an accountant but as an accountant in florida i want to say but yeah i'm pretty sure they got a much happier life because what the fuck (laughs) my dog's just like barged in are you talking about the lady that worked at a car dealership that i'm trying to think of that serial killer and i can only think of the lady who worked at a car dealership and she claimed that her first check was stolen so all her co-workers got together and gave her some of their money and i think she was killing her husbands or whatever no this was this lady was like way back in the day like before this before that bell gunness in the 1800s oh is it lavinia fisher Uh, i think it was Lavinia Fisher. I think I just saw about her. Mm. Mm. No, not her. Oh, well. anyway. Um, oh, well. So as far as I know, they got a much happier life because Clara later wrote she knew very little of him after she had left him. Knowing little of him is a much happier ending in my book. And so from New Hampshire, Holmes moved to New York where he was seen with a young boy who then went missing and was never found. 
He then moved to Philadelphia, where he worked in a hospital and then quickly quit and began working at a pharmacy where a local boy died of poisoning because he was given the wrong medicine. And it was traced back to that pharmacy and... I believe it was traced back to Holmes giving him the medicine, but he, of course, denied any foul play and said it was an accident, but he promptly changed his name and left the city. And I'm sorry, but I am not giving him the benefit of the doubt. Given his track record, knowing what we do know about him, he was getting comfortable experimenting and was probably curious what would happen if he gave the wrong meds to the kid. I. It wasn't an accident in my book, and my heart really goes out to the families that went through these tragedies because of how sick and twisted he was. He was even quoted saying, I remember when a mere lad, my ambition was to study medicine that I might know the relative effects of poisonous aces, asses, poisonous gases, that I might fully become acquainted with their uses and learn to be an expert in handling them. He wanted to know. He wanted to know deadly combos, deadly combinations and things like that. So with that, no, I don't think it was an accident. Yeah. He changed his name and left the city. Like, that's a little sus. Yeah, that's a lot of sus. When he left the city, he changed his name to Henry Howard Holmes and moved to Chicago. That's when he is H.H. Holmes and Chicago is where he spent the most of his time and it is where the most of his monstrosities, I think, happened. So once he was in Chicago, he began working at another drugstore and quickly ended up buying it. And like, hello, this is why we need background checks. Do not let this man work in a pharmacy, let alone own it. But obviously he changed his name. He didn't have any sort of reputation precede him or anything because he's a new guy. What's a social security number? (laughs) No idea. His boss was quoted saying he was a very hard and very dedicated man and worker. So they didn't suspect him. After some time working at the pharmacy, he purchased the lot across the street and began construction on a mixed use building. And it eventually became the murder castle. I mean, that's what we call it now. It was the murder castle, but it was, I believe, like the World Fair's hotel. Okay. So it was only a two-story building at first, sort of served as retail shops and apartments, but... He added a third floor with the plan of turning it into a space for a hotel for all the travelers who were in town for the World Fair. By 1892, the place was already a maze and definitely a serial killer's dream. It included soundproof rooms, various hallways, random shoots in rooms that went directly to the basement. The basement contained acid vats, quicklime, and a crematorium. There were pipelines with gas. There were surgical tables with a vast array of tools. And so he would dissect his victims and sell their remains on the black market or to medical institutions. Because, you know, there was grave robbing. You, You need a body? I got one for you, you know? And so his murder castle is coming along, but people had to know what was up, right? Like, this is kind of, this is a funky place. This is a weird place. And... And I'm sure you see people coming in and not walking back out. Yep. But they were like, oh, it is such a nice hotel. It is so funny. It's such a silly place to go into. There's rooms with no doors, doors with no rooms, staircases that lead to nowhere. And it kind of reminded me of like the Winchester house. And it definitely reminds me of like American Horror Story season five, because I know that like the serial killer in, I think it was like James P. March. 
But yeah, I know the hotel's creator in this in the show was based on homes. I know that the hotel was based heavily on like the Cecil Hotel, but I'm pretty sure there were some influences of, you know, the murder castle. Yeah. I haven't seen that season, so I'll have oh, to check season it out. Five. Yeah. I think it's I stopped out at the circus one. I stopped at Colt. I haven't finished it. Yeah, I think I was like in the process of... No, I don't remember why I didn't finish it. I might have been back in school. I think I was watching it when I was in school working and planning the wedding. So it just wasn't on my mind. Makes sense. And then I just never picked it up again. But I definitely need to start watching it again, especially now since we're in October. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I feel like I'm just bouncing all over the place. Do you remember how his wife left because he was violent? Yeah. Surely others had to see the signs, right? Nope. Nope. He was a total ladies man. And he was described as... Yes, he was described as incredibly charming. And this is why I say, don't be nice. Just don't do it. Don't be nice. And one of his first victims that we know of for sure that has been tied to him was... was his mistress Julia Smith and her daughter Pearl. So her husband found out about their affair and he left her and their child and unfortunately Holmes had his way with them and they were never heard of again after Christmas Eve in 1980 in 1891. No. Yeah. So Julia and the kid. Oh no. Mm -hmm. In May of 1892. So five months later, he had a new lady in his life, Emmeline Sigrand, probably saying her name wrong. My apologies. But then she disappeared in December of 1882. So only a few months later. The following year in 1893, he had yet again charmed another lady by the name of Minnie Williams. And by the end of the year, both Minnie and her sister Annie had disappeared. And her sister? And her sister. Oh my god. It really gets me wondering, was he actually charming or was he terrifying and were these women scared to say no? Very true. Through all of his confessions and interviews with him after he was sentenced, the only time he ever showed any remorse for any of his crimes was for Minnie because he did say, I really did love that woman. Well, it's done and it was a good job. So, I mean, he showed remorse, but how much remorse did he actually have? Yeah. He's just proving that nothing is going to stop him from doing no, what nothing. he wants. No, nothing. Nothing is coming in his way. And he wasn't only good with the ladies or so he'd have us believe, but he built a relationship with a carpenter who was who also had a criminal past, Benjamin Pitzel. Ha. Benjamin <laughs> Pitzel. 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 I don't know, so I'm just going to call him Benjamin or Ben or Benny Boy. Anyways, uh, Benny Boy here became Holmes's right-hand man and... No, don't tell me he started involving him in his crimes. Yep, he was his right-hand man in his crimes. <gasps> One of their favorite pastimes was selling skeletons and cadavers to med- uh, medical labs and schools. Wow. Okay, now here's my thing. Did these schools not... I'm pretty sure that there was going to be some type of damage to these skeletons. Like... Well, no, because Holmes was trained. He was medically trained. Oh, that's true. I forgot. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Ugh. He was good. He was good at his He knew craft. his way around the body. Yeah. Yep. And he had perfected it. During all of this, he's still building. He's still building onto his murder castle. He was building this murder castle and he was wooing all of these women. But where did he get the money? Like his family was a farming family. Like I said earlier, most of it was from insurance fraud. He would use cadavers and his victims to claim insurance money. After a while, you know, insurance companies started getting a little sus. They were beginning to hone in on his scamming. And so in 1894, Holmes left Chicago. He decided to flee. And he knew it was time to go. He knew it was time to go. He ended up in Fort Worth because, do you remember Minnie? Mm-hmm. He inherited property from her because I think they were married i'm not sure um i don't remember i think they were i i looked him up very quickly <laughs> yeah i'm like i think they were married um and so he ended up in a property that he inherited from her in fort worth and he was eager to start building a new murder castle but you kind of need money to build something so he concocted a new plan to fake his own death in order to get $10,000 in an insurance claim. And that is about $354,000 in today's economy. Wow. It's a lot of money, but like not a lot of money when you're looking at like the housing climate now. Yeah. But uh, yeah. there were different times. Yeah. See, $10,000, he could buy a house for like 1000 back then. Now, 324000 can barely get you a house. Well, we were looking at... I'm gonna get mad. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm kidding. Anyways, Holmes had, you know, made a name for himself with not just one insurance company, but multiple. I'm sure insurance companies talk. And so when he tried to actually execute his plan, insurance companies started an investigation, like a very thorough investigation. So he decided to stop and move on, but he didn't move on. He was a serial killer with a compulsion to kill. And he even said it before. Getting him to stop would be like getting a poet to stop writing prose. Poetry, yeah. Nothing could stop him. And he had a, this compelling desire to kill. And apparently $354,000 was a lot of money. And I'm not saying it isn't a lot of money. And I know people have killed for less. But come on, for a person's life, like, I guess that's why there's hitmen and things of that nature. But I've said it before, say it again. I'll never understand it. Anyways, so he had to come up with a new plan. He concocted a new plan to fake Benny Boy's death. Benjamin would pretend to be some random inventor that was killed and disfigured in a terrible lab explosion. You know, and then they would present this horrible mangled body to the insurance companies. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, this inventor died. But I'm sure you guessed it. Holmes was driven by his compulsion and didn't want to share on his big payday. So he actually murdered Benjamin by rendering him. Yep, he killed him. He rendered him unconscious with chloroform and set his body on fire. Oh, damn. So he then collected the insurance money because he had an actual deceased body. Oh, damn. Oh, how ironic for Benny. He became his right hand man and then 
he was no use of him, no use to him anymore. But things were a little tricky since Benjamin did have a wife and five children. So the insurance money should go to them, right? Yeah. Right. I'm not sure how insurance worked back in the day and with women in order to avoid any money going to them or his family trying to get in on that claim. Holmes convinced Benjamin's wife to let him take three out of the five kids with him. And it's like, why? Why would you take the kids? My guess is that he was like, oh, you know, let me help you with the kids. Ben's been really good to me. Let me help you out. Because his wife didn't know that Benjamin was dead. Got it. Oh, well, of course. Of course she didn't. Yeah. No. And so he planned on using the kids as ransom for when it finally did come to light. And he told her that Benjamin was in London waiting for her. So I'm assuming he was like, oh, let me help you with the kids. You take two. I take three. Let's go cross country so we can go meet your husband. So they traveled north and were heading towards the coast, caravanning through the northern United States and Canada. But we know that homes should never be around children. Sadly, Mm -hmm. as soon as he got custody of the three kids, he murdered two of the three children and it was the two old two girls. He put them in the trunk of a car and they were like those really old timey cars. I looked up the pictures for this time and the trunk would have basically just been a box just where you can put your traveling trunk. So he put the two girls in the trunk, drilled a hole and attached a hose that was connected to a gas line and subscribed Subsequently, asphyxiated the girls. Oh my God. It was absolutely horrendous. And to make matters even worse, he buried their nude bodies in the basement of his rental house in Toronto. So they were in Canada at this point. And it's absolutely inexcusable what he did. And my mind goes to the darkest places because why would they need to be buried without clothes? Seriously. You don't fuck with kids. Not at all. It is absolutely heartbreaking and it is absolutely sickening yeah you don't fuck with kids and this man was truly evil in my like he didn't nothing he had no limit he had no limit at least some serial killers i'm sorry it's not funny but they don't mess with kids he kind of it seems was the third child a boy yep okay we'll get to his thing was just female victims no matter the age, as long as they were women, except for Ben. But it seems like Ben was the exception because of finances. Otherwise, he probably never would have killed him. Probably. And then there was that boy that went missing in New York. Oh, that's but true. That one might have been opportunity. Yeah, like testing the waters to see what his ideal victim would be. Yeah, and same with the little boy who got the wrong medication. That was... I'm saying opportunity because he worked in a pharmacy. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was absolutely horrific. And and so at this point, insurance companies are already onto him thinking, hey, this guy is like pretty scummy. So we need to investigate this guy. Like, where is he getting all these bodies? Why is he making all these claims? Can they be substantiated? You know, so Detective Frank Gayer was on his tail, you know, leading the investigation. Eventually, he did find the bodies about the bodies of the girls. He had said, the deeper we dug, the more horrible the odor became. And when we reached the depth of three feet, 
we discovered what appeared to be the bone of a forearm of a human being. Wow. You know, my question is, if he was hot on his tail, you know, how long did it really take them to find the bodies? Yeah. You know, had they decomposed to reveal the bone or did he use acid or fire so that their flesh like disintegrated or were their bodies mangled to a point where the bones were showing through their flesh, which doesn't seem like something Holmes would do considering he was surgically like talented. Yeah. Regardless, it further cements the fact that Holmes literally had no remorse. And at this point, Detective Frank Ayer knew that this man was pure evil and truly believed he was sent on a mission from God in order to stop him. Thank goodness for that because he went on a frenzy and he received a tip that Holmes had rented a cottage in Indianapolis. So he went there and what he found was absolutely disturbing. There were bones, bone fragments, and teeth in the chimney. Whoa. This is where they found the remains of the last of the children that he had in his custody. Because of Frank, Holmes was now on the top of everyone's most wanted lists. And fortunately, he was arrested in Boston in November of 1894. Thank goodness he was caught. Yeah, so he was caught. And thank goodness it wasn't as long as yours, as Elizabeth's, who was doing it for A decade or more. Yeah. And he was caught. And in October of 1895, Holmes was finally put to the trial. Um, he was finally put on trial for the death of Benjamin. And the DA wanted a quick and fast trial because everything was so sensational at this point. It was huge. Yeah. And he was like, he was like one of the first serial killers, like American serial killers. And so it was huge news. And he was found guilty and sentenced to death by hanging. And on May 7th, 1896, he was hanged in Moya Mensing prison. However, his neck did not snap, so he hung, twitched, and suffocated oh for my. over 15 minutes. Oh, hell no. Nah. He was finally pronounced dead after about 20 minutes. He was a fish. <laughs> he was a fish. Oh, my and God. And it is said that the executioner executed him in a way that it would not snap his neck on purpose as a favor to the DA to prolong okay. Holmes' suffering. Purpose. Okay. Yeah. Again, I don't know if this was one of those things that, you know, changes over time and that's what they say now yeah. or if he just really didn't snap. But anyways, although he was tried for the murder of Benjamin, he did confess after his sentence. Yeah, after his sentence was awarded, he confessed to 27 murders and six attempted murders. Wow. So they only got him for the murder of Benjamin. That's the only thing. Wow. That he was tried for. I think he had been in jail or prison before for like other um, like monetary scams. But obviously, this is a big one. After his sentence was awarded, he did agree to an interview. Because I mean, at that point, what do you got to lose? Yeah, seriously. You know, in his confession, he did mention that he would have loved to complete the six attempted murders as they were all planned, but something intervened. However, 
some of the people he claimed to have killed were very much alive. And we genuinely don't know how many people he actually murdered, especially with how insane his murder castle was. Because of this, he has only officially been linked to nine murders. And it was the ones I mentioned earlier with Benjamin and the three kids and his wife, Minnie and Annie. Yep. Julia, Pearl, and then and Emmeline. So even though he's only been linked to nine murders, some still claim that he's connected to over 200. And many say that it's an exaggeration, but I would say that I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. With the way that his murder house was set up. Yeah. And how many workers. Yeah. How many workers, you know, fell and injured themselves. Yeah. He didn't have to collect insurance on all of them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there was more. Yeah. Because why would you collect insurance money on someone's body that you're going to sell to a medical school? Exactly. Yeah. Wow. That is H.H. Holmes. The murder castle is not standing anymore. It And then it fully burned down. So I think the property burned down, burned twice. Now it's a post office. I oh, wow. That's crazy. So yeah, that is H.H. Holmes. Not a very good guy. Yeah, not at all. I don't ever want to know what's going on through their head. Nope, me neither. But I'll read about him. I'll read about him and if you look at my search history it's probably disturbing I was telling my mom how I was looking up Elizabeth and I was telling her just briefly like oh yeah she was a serial killer and she was said to have killed over like I think 600 people and she was like why are you reading that I'm like because it's interesting (laughs) yeah oh my god my mom's the same my mom is the same way yep wow well we should really do like no, never mind. We already do. What? About if you have any comments or suggestions. Oh, yes. We need to sign off. I forgot. Yeah. If anyone has any stories relating to the topics that we talked about or any stories that you would like to share. Comments. Anything you would like to add. Criticism. Please have it be constructive. I cry a lot. I'm pregnant. And I'll just be mad. <laughs> but I'm good. We're good at taking constructive criticism. So do tell us that. Yes, but please don't make the pregnant lady cry. That part. Because then her husband has to deal with it. Yeah. Jasmine has to deal with it. <laughs> but we hope that you enjoyed this episode. We did a lot of research. I we ha- I have five pages I needed to go through to talk about Elizabeth. Same. I had four and then like a little bit more. Yeah. And I like tried cutting it down. Yeah. So like I feel like there were so many holes in my story, but because I didn't want to make it too long. I know. And I went briefly and that was supposed to be brief. So who knows? I hope you guys enjoyed this and wait hold on our email go ahead and you can send us an email at spooky state of mind at gmail.com we'll be posting hopefully more frequently on instagram too you know because it's spooktober yeah so follow us on instagram so you know when we upload a new episode um we link everything in the bio so you don't have to go looking for us anywhere else but also we're now on apple on apple podcast yes apple and spotify and i believe stitcher as well give us a follow give us a rating if you feel like it otherwise you can wait please leave a nice review yeah we would really appreciate it or don't we can't tell you what to do yeah we're not i promise we're not begging <laughs> do whatever just a little you like. bit whatever you like suggest this to your friends whatever you like but um like i said i hope you enjoyed this episode Hope you all enjoyed it because we definitely enjoyed researching it. Yeah, it was fun. Have a great rest of your week and we will see you next time. All right. Stay spooky. Stay spooky. Bye.